Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. It's that time of year again to bring the HBCU energy. Target has you covered from a range of Black-owned or founded products, alongside impactful opportunities to support and invest in the next generation of HBCU excellence. Whether it's homecoming or brunch with the girls, add an exclamation point to the menu with the Bronx-owned Ghetto Gastro's waffle mix and syrup and slutty vegans' tasty dips. Even better, make it a party with fun games like Lyrically Correct and Culture Karaoke. Discover more ways to tap in with Black-owned or founded products for your next social gathering. And oh, by the way, did you know Target's bringing back the HBCU Design Challenge? A creative competition pairing HBCU students with Target mentors. Keep an eye out for Target Scholars as well, a scholastic program offering financial assistance and internship opportunities for HBCU students. Lock in with Target this homecoming season and beyond at Target.com slash BlackBeyondMeasure. You know what else Target is doing? They're sponsoring season two of Illuminating Intersectionality, hosted by myself, Chef Jade, Dr. Takia Robinson, and Fran of Hey Fran Hey. It's a three-part series, season two, that discusses intersectionality as Black women in different spaces. And in this particular season, we are covering what? HBCUs. Illuminating Intersectionality drops homecoming week. Make sure you listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. When are you gonna come down? When are you going to land? I should have stayed on the farm. I should have listened to my old man. You know you can't hold me forever. I didn't sign up with you. I'm not a present for your friends to open. This boy's too young to be singing the blues. So goodbye, Yellow Brick Road, where the dogs of society howl. You can't plant me in your penthouse. I'm going back to my plow, back to the howling old owl in the woods, hunting the horny back town. Oh, I finally decided my future lies beyond the yellow brick road. You still don't know this song, Not do you? a drop. Oh, my God. This is Elton John, Yellow Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, one of my favorite songs in Elton John songs. I love that for us. Yes, I love it so much. <laughs> I, I knew as I was going, I was like, he don't know what the fuck I'm singing. <laughs> I did not come to know who Elton John was until much later in my life. 
Oh, sister, you must get acquainted must. with the catalog I of must. Elton John. I, Your song, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, I do not deny Tiny that. Dancer, Benny and the Jets. Yes, I do not deny Candle that. in the Wind. <laughs> I, I just I love agree. you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's something that I will plan to do. I don't love the fact that I was a, a white British man from the 70s in my past life. But that I just have to accept what it was. You know what, what? I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. You know, so you just have to, you got to tap in. No, I'm not. Rolling, I'm rolling my eyes because my neighbor upstairs. Smokehouse? Smokehouse. I, when, I, when I drove into my driveway today. When I come back from getting my pedicure this afternoon, he had that damn smoker in the driveway. Does that nigga eat anything outside Maybe. of carcinogens? He must not. He must not. And let me tell you something. I am. I shade no grilled meat. I love grilled meat, but I do not understand how he grills meat 365 days of the year. I think, and I, he also has a he also has a um a pit, and I just hear the dog. I don't know if he has built a track or something in the living room, but the dog just be running. <laughs> Does he have a treadmill? I'm like, what in what? <laughs> his puppy cycle happening in his living room. Wait a minute. Okay. I wonder if he has a food truck. I need you to do some investigation. <laughs> if he does, he doesn't park it over here. But he grills his meats at home. He sure does. <laughs> I'm so at I'm so intrigued by who this is. At least once weekly. How come this never happens when I'm at your house? I don't know. Well, he didn't move in like the last mm, the last time you were here. I don't think he was. He had moved and he moved in after Kiki Palmer's birthday sh- uh, baby shower. Okay, were we mistakenly called? <laughs> we said it was <laughs> a girl. It's a girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, the next time I come over, first and foremost, I'm coming with a marinated brisket and I'm going to ask to put it on his smoker. Second of all, I am going to, I'm going to inquire. I'm going to say, hello, that's my sister who lives there. I would just like to know why you are always smoking meats. Every week. Like how has nobody asked him that nobody else is as fascinated as I am about this? Every week, every week. I want to know what this nigga does. Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? Well, praise the Lord, niggas. How are you, sister? I, outside of I am barbecued. Well. I am well uh, outside of the step show that is happening in the condominium above my head. <laughs> I haven't any complaints. It's a it's a constant it's a probate. Three six a probate <laughs> homecoming is happening above my head. How, how fitting. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I'm safe and I have what I need. How are you, sister? I, too, am safe and have what I need. I'm grateful. Um, You know, I am preparing for the new season and it feels good. Mm -hmm. I shredded all the mail in my house. Oh, gosh. All of it. I wish I will pay you. Finally finished. I will pay you to come to my house and do that. I will pay you money. And let me tell you why this is like that would be a labor of love. Because when you shred mail, it doesn't matter how great the shredder is. Eventually, it's gonna get you have jammed. to clean the blades. It's going to get jammed. You got to yeah. clean the blades. Like you have to go in and I keep tweezers by and I just clean it manually every so often. And so, but I, but I, I just, I, it's so satisfying when I realize I'd reached the bottom of the bag of all of these old mails and documents and things like that. I sound like Nene, old mails. 
Where she's like, I, I lost two pound. <laughs> That's what Didi said because she's on Ozempic or whatever, and she's like, I lost. Now the first week I lost two pound, and then the what second week I lost two pound. Nene has an I, issue with <laughs> plurals. She does. Remember, because she, she's like, I didn't do nothing but drank a little bit when I went on vacation. <laughs> I need to watch that video because Toy was telling me about it, and she said, because you know Nene was the one who could not say bridesmaids. What'd she say? Bridesmaid. Bride. You <laughs> my bridesmaid. <laughs> Uh-uh, because my bridesmaid is over there. It's like, <laughs> Nene, girl. Bridesmaid. You had nine bridesmaids talking about, these my bridesmaid. Okay, the bridesmaid <laughs> is going to do it. It's like, what? Oh, speaking of which. Oh, Lord. The man next to me on the flight back from Houston the other day was watching Bridesmaids. <laughs> oh, God. And let me tell you, it was a black man. And let me tell you he how was Papa tickled. was getting, he was getting he was his life. <laughs> I love it. Bridesmaids. And then I'm over there quoting it underneath my yes. mask to myself because I knew exactly what part of it was at. I was like, oh, she's doing it. I she's love shitting it. in the street. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies, I love honestly. it. When I see us enjoying the movies on the, but you know what I, and this might be a petty peeve one day, not today, but I told you about the time I was on the plane and the man was watching um, Paris is Burning in front of me, white man watching Paris is Burning. Oh Lord. And I was like, sir. A white straight man? He he appeared to be. Seemingly. Seemingly, yes. But you know, I I didn't, you know. You know, but you never know. It was not, you know, I didn't, my question was not because he was was gay or straight. It was like, mm-hmm, why mm-hmm. is this man? <laughs> this man. Let me tell you. Who looked like Jeffrey. Know. Remember remember um, on the Cosby show and the Huxtables had a neighbor, Jeffrey, and Cliff borrowed his drill? The same Jeffrey that bought the sports car. Yes. Jeffrey Ingles. Jeffrey Ingles. <laughs> That's what he looked this like. This man looked like Jeffrey Ingles. Jeffrey, if you was on a plane, you saw Jeffrey Ingles watching Paris is Burning, you would be like, wait a second, hold on. What's happening here? You know what? I'd just be intrigued probably. Like, you know what? I hope this is for allyship. I hope it is too, (laughs) but it just would never, like, you know, you see people scrolling through the options of all the things that he could have picked. He picked Paris You just didn't expect him to land there. And I was like, okay, Jeffrey. (laughs) That was the white man next to me. Because he told me afterwards, he was like, he was like, you were really into that Stanley Tucci program because I was watching. <laughs> I was watching Stanley Tucci go around Italy eating all this different food. I was so fascinated. <laughs> and I'm writing different ingredients down, and I'm like, he's like, you were so into it. I was like, yeah, I'm just, I, <laughs> I love food. I was I'm like, almost food old so enough much. to start calling shows programs. I think I'm going to lean into that. Oh, I do call shows programs. I'm going to lean and into rec- that. And records and cuts. <laughs> it's like a deep cut. Deep cut. Oh, it's a deep cut. From the B side. <laughs> Noah, cut that record on. Oh, I say cut it on and cut it off very, very regularly. What's that record? Because she keeps singing all this damn K-pop around the house. Let me, you want to get a workout in? Come do a K-pop TikTok dance with your niece. Woo! Child, cardio. It, it is arms me and Tristan, <laughs> I walk into the living room. She's doing the dances with on the YouTube. Tristan's sitting on the couch trying to do them just with his arms, not standing <laughs> up. And it is... 
<laughs> lazy. And but it is, but it is. I, so I get in there and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the fucking moves it's so confusing anyway we are babbling on we have a fantastic fantastic so kitchen table for you all part two um to i what i what i told kia i believe isn't going to be an ongoing thing for a little yeah. bit so that we can continue to get different perspectives um yeah shout out to everyone who's been joining the conversation about the status is complicated episodes where mm-hmm. Jay, friend Crystal and I did a deep dive into our relationships with our moms and, um, you know, seems to have resonated with a lot of people and, uh, had the opportunity to connect, you know, people, lots of my friends have been hitting me up and letting me know, you know, what, what, uh, sort of thoughts, um, the conversation prompted for them what sort of thoughts and mm-hmm. reflections and one of those um, was good friend to the show she's been on before uh, Dr. Felicia Commodore yes now doc, uh, Dr. Commodore well Fee's mom passed uh, mm-hmm. in 2021 um, and you know she spoke about how the conversation landed with her being a daughter that has a mom that has transitioned and what Mm -hmm. that has meant for her daughterhood. And so we were talking about it and I was like, you know, she just had so much, um, she was just sharing with me all of the things that our conversation uh, didn't cover or consider or include uh, because our moms are still uh, with us. Um, And so I asked her, I was like, would you want to come on? Because I'm sure. And I mean, one of the I asked her because I got tweets from a young Mm -hmm. lady, uh, at least two that I can think of all the top of my head. Two young ladies that said, you know, I lost my mom recently. I lost my mom this year. I lost my mom last year. And so Mm -hmm. this episode, you know, meant a lot to me. Um, Or they said, or I'm scared to listen because Mm -hmm. of that. And so. I felt like having Felicia on to talk about her experience would resonate with some people in our um at our in our community that, you know, and, and she could speak from a place that you or I couldn't speak from with any real experience. And it proved to be yes. a really, really fruitful conversation. We didn't want to script it too much. Of course, it's a very sensitive um, you know, you don't just want to jump in and ask somebody, you know. How's it been? Like, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I think we found a rhythm and landed in a really good place. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just dope to have Felicia on. So it's a it's a, it's a good kitchen table, um, you know, to just sort of, you know, ride it out. I think the more we had the conversation, the more, you know, it developed uh, yeah. even, even, you know, even more. So, yeah, um, it's a good one, and y'all. We- and we're going to get some good, uh, we're going to get some perspectives from you all following the kitchen table this week. Uh, we got some emails and some write-ins, so we're going to read some of those uh, as honesty boxes. And, you know, it's just like we like we said in that episode, like we always say, this show is to foster community. Yep. Um, and so, no, you know, people don't feel alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has always been our main goal. Uh, that has always been our driving force in our North Star. 
and we want that to continue to be so. And so with a with a conversation that's so important like this one, we want to make sure that so many different uh, relationships and representations are getting their just due. Um and 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 shining a light on on those different dynamics that Key and I may not have um, a firsthand perspective with, so we thank Felicia very much for coming to the kitchen table to sit with us. Absolutely, and we hope you all enjoy. Uh, Status is complicated. Part two: negotiating loss. Your this segment is brought to you by Target and Black Beyond Measure. It's that time of year again to bring the HBCU energy. Target has you covered from a range of Black-owned or founded products, alongside impactful opportunities to support and invest in the next generation of HBCU excellence. Lock in with Target this homecoming season and beyond at Target.com slash BlackBeyondMeasure. And of course, Target is also sponsoring the new season of Illuminating Intersectionality, featuring myself, Chef Jade, Dr. Takia, and Fran of Hey Fran Hey. Welcome back, everybody. Excited uh, to gather around the kitchen table again. Um, And this week, we're extending our conversation. Uh, Shout out to everyone who, uh, you know, sent a comment, a tweet, uh, Instagram comment, just reached Mm -hmm. out in any way, an email. The inbox is popping regarding our uh, It's Complicated episode, Status is Complicated episode, where we uh, did a deep dive into the to our relationships with our moms and how they have shaped our lives throughout the course of our lives. And we're here to extend that conversation today. And I'm really excited to welcome my sister friend, our sister friend back to the kitchen table. You've heard her (laughs) here before uh, um, to talk about, you know, her work and her research. But today we're going to talk a little bit about her experience uh, negotiating, um, uh, you know, the different transitions of daughterhood uh mm-hmm. and we'll get into the meat of that but everybody welcome back uh dr felicia commodore hey fee hi everyone in the building <laughs> welcome welcome yes glad to be at the kitchen table again yes. always That's welcome up. how are you doing always glad to have you i doing okay i am um might be living on mid-level exhaustion at all Listen, times but other than that that's um, real. i can't complain my bills are paid um i'm saying amen so that's <laughs> right good. yeah and you have what Wonderful. you need i have yeah, what safe, i need safe and i have what i need uh, yeah. a mood a lifestyle uh, I wanted to open up the conversation by just having you react to the the last episode or the last conversation about, um, you know, moms and motherhood and our experiences of our mothers. How did it how did that conversation land for yeah. you? So so first I want to say I think it was really um, a great conversation. Um, I think. As you become a, more of an adult as a black woman and the relationship and dynamic and understanding of your mom and even what it was to experience getting mothered by your black mother um, mm-hmm. is very is like you all said complicated. And I really mm-hmm. appreciate the way you all approached the conversation. I felt like it was really responsible and inclusive. Uh, for me, though, it was very interesting because. Um, in 2021, I, my mother um, passed. She transitioned. Mm-hmm. 
And so there were times when I was listening to the conversation and I was like, you know, this is going to feel different for some folks when they're on the other side of their mom transition. I think there was one comment particularly, I think Crystal made, um, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, you know, if when my mom transitions or something like that, you know, I think I'll be at peace with what, you know, mm. what the situation is. And I was like, wow, you mm-hmm. think that until mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's mm-hmm. like Mike Tyson said, like everybody has a plan till they get punched in the face. And I loved everything Crystal shared, but it was like, you think you know how you're going to navigate that moment and you think you know how you're going to feel, um, but there's nothing that prepares mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. for when you lose your mother. Mm -hmm. Um, especially at this age, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a unique experience you have when you're little. There's a Mm -hmm. unique experience you have when you're much older. You might even Mm -hmm. have kids of your own, but there is a, that 30, 40s (laughs) experience was, is very different um, Mm -hmm. because you're, you're an adult, but you don't know that you quite feel that you're grown yet. Um, and so to wake up one day and not have a mom is a really jarring experience. And so, um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I thought I was like, wow, there's so much that that changes in how you navigate these thoughts and these emotions mm-hmm. when your mom's no longer here. Mm. What uh, was your um, what was the status of you and your mom's relationship when she when she passed? Yeah. So she transitioned. I would say we had a good relationship. Um, so there's this funny thing that happens. I don't know if it's funny, but when, when, when my mom passed, you begin to wonder, like, was it good? (laughs) You begin to be like, Mm -hmm. could I have been a better daughter? Um, did my mom know that I loved her? You, you start to have all these questions, um, about if your relationship was as good as you thought. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I had conversations with my mom, but did I talk to my mom every day? No, did mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I, I'm very busy and my mom understood that and never, mm-hmm. she never made me feel bad about it. But, you know, I look back and I'm like, wow, there were so many times where I like, I'll just call her back later. Right. Like, I'll just call. I don't have time for because my mom is going to want to talk about everything under the mm-hmm. sun, including my father. And so <laughs> um, somehow I became my mom's like relationship expert as as I got older. It was very strange. But um Oh, I can now that we can we can absolutely connect. <laughs> well, on, yeah, I mean, but we'll yeah. save that for later. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I would say, you know, we were good. I, I know my mom was proud of me. I know that I told her that I loved her and I appreciate everything she did to me. But looking back, I'm like, could I have done more? Um, mm-hmm. Was I pres- as present as I should have been? And I have two older sisters who are much older than me. Um, one mm-hmm. is 14 years older than me. One is 10 years older than me. I always tell people I'm the oops baby. And so, <laughs> um, you know, my one, particularly my middle sister who lived closer to my parents was always there. My mom had some health issues um, mm-hmm. as we got older. And she was she was one there all the time. She was the one who kind of took care. And I'm like, wow, like, should I have been more like her? Like, was she the better daughter? Like, so you 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 do do this reflecting of um, where you question if you if you did everything that you could have done. But I would say that I think we had a good relationship. I remember when we chatted a little bit, we were texting after the episode aired. Um, and one of the things that's like in our conversation, um, 
I mentioned to you that this was something that was on my mind as we were thinking about the conversation, Mm -hmm. but I struggled to like, how do you approach your friend (laughs) who's lost their mom? Right. And sort of say, you know, just, just ask about that Mm -hmm. Um, or ask, you know, cause you know, this is, you know, deeply personal and, and just, Mm -hmm. you know, how acquainted I am with grief and was struggling around. I didn't want to trigger you. I didn't want to, you know, you don't know where people are, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, one of the things that you said was, you know, it, the, the conversation itself prompted reflection for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Um, and I was just curious if you could talk a little bit about in, in how the conversation hit you, were there specific things that uh, we could have, I want to say discussed differently or what, what, since none of us that were on the, a part of the conversation have had this experience, Mm -hmm. were there Mm -hmm. things that were missing? Were there things that were uh, not missing or just, just, yeah, I don't know. I'm doing a terrible job of asking this question, but (laughs) I want to know, I'm just getting at like in, in the conversation of how it landed for you, did it feel inclusive to you? Like I, I'm sensitive to how, you know, we're all in different places with our moms. So I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm constantly thinking about the, the girls, the people like you that have, mm-hmm. have reached this transition point in life. And I'm like, how do we uh, support each other? Yeah. So, so I think the conversation was great. Um, I think it's tricky because um, and this is something I have um, um, a very close friend who lost her mom the year before I lost my mom. Um, mm-hmm. And we talk about how, you know, you have to like find this balance of being like people have a right to have an issue with their mom. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. But once mm-hmm. your mom passes, you you have this real like knee jerk reaction to be like don't talk bad about your mom, right? Yeah. Like, because one day you're going to wish she was bugging the crap out of you, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I also, like, I'm like, this is people's reality, right? And when my mom was living, it was part of my reality, too. And so I think you try to find that balance of, like, not projecting, like, that, you know, that part of what you're navigating and, like, missing your mom onto other mm-hmm. people as they navigate their relationship with their living mother, Um and so I think that was the the most part. But I think what was really interesting or what really struck me, um, as you all talked about kind of like coming into womanhood, and I think this mm-hmm. this idea of or this experience of like you and your mom becoming two women and not just mother mm-hmm. and daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think I started to experience that with my mom, who was, mm-hmm. I, I said, accidentally progressive. I think she didn't know what she was doing. I think she was right, retired. Right. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she tried some new <laughs> stuff, like that stuff with your sister clearly didn't work. So we're going to try <laughs> something else. Um, so, so I think my mom treated me like an adult, like as soon as I turned 18 for the most part. Um, okay. But it is, I think especially I just turned 40 um, becoming a woman and like kind of getting settled in your womanhood without the model of the woman that was supposed to kind of help you figure that out mm-hmm. present is, is a weird experience. I'm sure. I'm sure. 
you know, I think Meg the Stallion had made, like, she did a video once and she was like, who's going to cheer me on? Like, who's going yeah. to tell me I did a good job? And and I, it resonated with me so much because before you know it, you're like looking for your mom mm-hmm. to say like, yes, that's, that's, you're, you're becoming a woman and there's mm-hmm. no one there to say that to you. Um, mm-hmm. And so it does feel a little bit like you're walking around unmothered. Like mm-hmm. you don't have anyone to to run to and be like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, and I think that um, that stuck out to me. It was like, oh, you all can get to work out that like becoming a woman thing and us becoming mm-hmm. two women. Um, and mm-hmm. I think I started it. And now I'm getting to the point where you really start to settle into your womanhood. Mm-hmm. And I got to hope, <laughs> I got to yeah. hope that I'm doing it a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that was that really stuck out for me because you are, you're so um, you have such a gap in age between yourself and your, your sisters has that um, how has that tied into this (laughs) dynamic now as well? Yeah. Me and Key are like asking questions on a whim. So we're trying to work it out while we're asking some of my stories because she was there during these, these moments. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to go any. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to ask nobody's business but mine. But um, if you're in the story, that's, that's what happened. So (laughs) I'm sorry. That's I'm stealing that. (laughs) If you were there, then you were there. You were there. And that's what happened. Sorry. It's my story now. (laughs) So, I had we have um my family um has a I won't say unique, I'm sure it's many families like this, but we're a blended family of sorts. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when my parents met each other and got together, they each had a kid. Um right. my mom had a daughter and my dad had a daughter. Um and then they got together and um were a little bit hot in the pants and then they had me. <laughs> so <laughs> So, um, so we were this like blended family where, but, um, we all grew up in the same house. So, um, my sisters didn't live other places. They didn't, we didn't transport kids back and forth. My parents were their Mm -hmm. primary parents. So for the most part, we grew up as a unit. Um, Mm -hmm. but my, you know, I have one sister who I shared a biological mother with and another sister that I did not share a biological mother with. I shared a biological father with. But for all intents and purposes, my sister, who was my middle sister that I spoke of that did a lot of the caregiving um, in support of my dad, was the sister that is not my mom's biological daughter. You know, there's some tensions around this, but because we all grew up in the same house, everybody was parented by the same people. There wasn't we didn't really tend to have these huge tensions until my mom passed. (laughs) And a lot of things, negotiation, terms that we had never used before started floating up. Um, A lot Mm -hmm. of things, particularly between my two older sisters, that I think never had been spoken before started to be spoken. Yeah. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then I, I was the one in the... I wouldn't even say in the middle because I'm so far from my sisters. They're only four years apart. And then I'm like, wait, that it was almost like, I don't want to be a part of any of this. (laughs) Right. Like, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. but it became this strange negotiation of, well, 
well, whose mom is she, right? And um, even though she was mm. all of our mother. And um, that became, mm. I mean, we're still navigating some of that. Now it's gotten better, but in mm. the freshness of it, um, it was really a lot of walking around on eggshells. Um, for mm. me, personally, it was this, uh, it there was a tension I had with my sisters of like treating me like an adult, but then mm-hmm. also not treating me like I wasn't <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, that I had to be the responsible one. Mm. My sisters have very special personalities. Um, and so there were times where I was kind of resentful because I felt like, well, I'm the youngest, but I'm the one being the most responsible, or at least that's mm. how I felt. Like, mm-hmm. I'm the one that's like, okay, we got to get this done. We got to get that done. My middle sister's more of a caregiver, so she kind of was like, oh, we got to make sure dad eats and these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did, you know, there were times where I was like, why don't I get to be the baby? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, why don't I get to be, be the baby? Um, but then at other times, it was like people were treating me like I was 12, and I'm like, yeah. I'm an adult. Like, I understand what's going on. Like, I don't need to be like coddled um mm-hmm. and so it, it did become uh, create some some tensions in that area um that we had to navigate and i think I, I wrestled with if i also had the if i how do i say this my sister my oldest sister had my mom the longest mm. right and so um, I think there was some tension there too. Like, well, you had her for 50 plus years. I only had her for 30 some years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I think I should get to have more of a moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And I don't know yeah. that that's fair, but that's how I felt. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so there were some tensions in navigating that. Um, I think I'll say the one upside is my mom was really good um when we were growing up about making it clear that we were sisters and I was like my sister wasn't my second mom Mm -hmm. and so I think that set a really good tone for my sister not feeling like she got to step in yeah like some new matriarch yeah 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 um because that tone had been already set like y'all are sisters like nobody I'm I'm the only person that had a kid here Mm -hmm. (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that's not how that Mm -hmm. worked um but it was she was accidentally progressive yeah accidentally (laughs) (laughs) I have great stories about how my sister hates that to this day like having to negotiate my sister was 19 when I was five and she, okay. my mom would be like, "You have to talk your problems out." I feel like she's five. Like I'm not. <laughs> like why am I? And I'd be sitting down ready because I've got a list of issues <laughs> at five that that I want to talk about. How you're getting on my five year old nerves, and so, um, so all accidental. I think I don't. I just think she was tired and was like, "That's ah, too much energy to get in the middle of all of this, y'all. Y'all be a y'all figure it out." Um. But yeah, yeah. It, it 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 was tensions there, and I and I'll you know I make some assumptions. I don't want to speak for my sisters, but they live closer to my parents. They come home more, and I also had to reckon with the fact that my sisters got different versions of my parents. Okay, because mm-hmm. they were. My mom was twenty one when she had my sister. My dad was nineteen when he had my other sister. Mm-hmm. 
You know, mm-hmm. when they had me, they would, my dad was 30, my mom was 36. So mm-hmm. they got very different <laughs> versions of parents than I did. And I think sometimes, I mean, this actually came out a few times. Um, I think they kind of felt like, oh, you got the better version, so you should be the better, quote unquote, better kid. Right. Huh. Because mm. you didn't get the crazy young person. that didn't know what they were doing. Right. Like you they were more settled. They had better jobs. They, you know, so it was like, you know, we don't really you know, care for the comparison because you, you got the better parent and kind of resent you mm. for that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all. That's all relative. I think grief has a way of sort of revealing the truth of family dynamics. You yeah. know, I think that we we, especially in in black families, and you know, Felicia, I know you can relate to this, but especially when you're growing up in the church, there's this oh, image. That was a whole other layer. Oh, God. right. Mm. There's this image of family and how we are presenting to the rest of the mm. world, and that's all. That's not always the same as how we really are. <laughs> Uh, in real life, right? Mm-hmm. To the extent that we don't always get to work out and have hash out these differences yeah. until we are in the heat of our feelings. Our feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so grief, like, I mean, not not comparing, but just sort of similarly, one of the things that were, were revealed when we lost my grandma was just how how much grandma did like you know like the to 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 sort of bridge across these gaps right and a rec- lot of uh yeah found out a lot of things were done that yes people, including my father yes didn't know didn't know was being done or said or yes all kinds of things started to come out um yes yeah and we uh, uh, give you a story i think it's a great example um that happened at the repast and my, oh, I want to also put in the context, um, this was during COVID pre-vaccine. Mm-hmm. We had to have oh, like yeah. a 50-person funeral. My mom was a pastor. This was like insane trying to plan. Um, you know, we, were, we wanted to repass, but then we also like, we don't want all these people in our house. Like it was very mm-hmm. tricky. So um, at the repass, we were, you know, Black folks sitting around table, telling stories, memories. And um, we got into some news story of some like 14 year old stealing the car or something. I can't remember what it was. And my sister, my oldest sister says something like, oh, if that had been me, like that had been us, like our mom would have tore us up. Now, I never really got beatings. So Mm. my trigger reaction was like, that's not true. Like you just because my sister can be a little dramatic. She has (laughs) literally has a theater degree. So... (laughs) Okay. Like, you know, that's not true. Like, don't you, you exaggerate. And, and she looks across the table at me and says, Oh, that's right. You never got beat. Yeah. So, so I was like, Well, what in the world? <laughs> like, 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 so now yeah, we're like at go. the repass having this moment. And I'm like, Well, maybe I tr- didn't do stuff to get beat. Like, we're. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, you know, and then I think like our sense to it, it was like, oh, this is a like inside conversation. We have outside. Yeah. But, um, mm-hmm. Like it was just like little stuff like that. Like that moment just triggered that out. And I don't think we would ever had those conversations like that before. Or at least even talk to each other that way, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You've <sighs> mentioned a couple of times of like towards the beginning listening to the episode and then even within 
your dynamics with your sisters in some certain ways, which is a natural thing for all of us as humans. We all got to reel it back at points and be like, this is not somebody sharing their experience. But what has been, because I, I can imagine negotiating this loss has been uh, uh, a huge ebb and flow in, in life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what has been, what is, what is like maybe a method for somebody else who might be listening to this, who has lost somebody and it triggers up emotions, is there something that's helpful to you that helps you to pull that back and say, this is someone speaking about their experience or this is someone having or talking about their experience, whether it be your sisters talking about what their disciplinary experiences were or us talking about our mother experiences. Do you have any tools that you, that has helped you? in those moments yeah i don't know a therapist but uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) other than that i you know i i think one of the upsides of growing up in a pseudo blended family is that you understand that people have different parent experiences right um because you know, my sister did have a different dad. My other sister mm-hmm. had a different mom and they had very different um, relationships, you know, that I, I got to watch. Right. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. whether people realize that, that that all affects the 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 family dynamic regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a part of me just naturally like respects like that's people's, you know, truth in that moment. Um, but I, I think for me, when things kind of stir up things for me, I just, I don't fight it. Mm-hmm. I think that's way worse. <laughs> um, I think it's better to just feel it and negotiate those feelings. Um, when you, tr- I-, I found when I tried to like act like I didn't feel a certain way, it's going to come out mm-hmm. um, another way. And especially um, that time period right after my mom c- passed. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I like, I, I sometimes be like, I don't, I hope, I hope I ain't say nothing crazy to people because there's something, there's something that flips when your mom passes that makes you intolerant of everything. Mm. And rightfully so. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I, I, there were things I used to could be able to just like let roll off my back that I just didn't even have the capacity to do anymore. Um, and so I think having to learn during that stage, like, okay, this is the new me. And so I have to make some decisions about how I navigate the new me because something Mm -hmm. I say, um, at least for me, I will never be the, the person I was before the day my mom passed. She doesn't exist anymore. I don't know her. Mm -hmm. All true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No idea who that person is anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the problem is everybody else became friends with, grew up with, was in relationship with that person. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and I learned Mm -hmm. to move through the world as Mm -hmm. that person, but she doesn't exist anymore. And so I had to recalibrate and be like, okay, you used to could sit in that situation and listen to somebody say those things. Mm-hmm. Now you can't. So like, just, just pull yourself, <laughs> pull yourself, right? Like let people have their stuff, but also protect yourself and pull yourself out of that, that mm-hmm. moment so that you can 
kind of deal with whatever emotion this is is coming up in with you. But you have to be kind of self-aware of that. And I don't know, that doesn't happen immediately. That took months before mm-hmm. I realized mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, you kind of snap it on people <laughs> real quick, like way quicker yeah. than you used to snap on people. Because mm-hmm. um, it is a foggy time. Right. Um, I, I don't even remember many of those months following my mom passing. And so, yeah, I just think you have to be aware that you are a different person. There are different Mm -hmm. things that trigger you now. There are things that you cannot tolerate that you used to be able to, and then kind of navigate your own self according to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We spoke a lot during the episode about uh, sort of things that have been revealed to us about our parents as we age. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you learned about your mom um, right. as a person, as a woman? Yeah. So, you know, my mom was pretty transparent growing up, probably more than I ever. I don't know if that was always healthy. Like some things I don't know that I needed to know. <laughs> she was very much like, I don't want you to go out in the world and think the world is a different place. And so I'm going to be real. I could have been not so real. <laughs> um, mm, mm. But I think when my mom passed, like, like I knew my mom was a giver. I knew um, my mom loved helping people sometimes beyond what was reasonable. Um, but when she passed, like all these stories started coming out, um, of like paying people's car notes, helping people pay their kids tuition, you know, paying people's, you know, rent so they wouldn't get evicted, like all these things. First of all, I was like, where's all this money coming from? But also, my mom was, you know, um, very much of the you know, they have a little money or more than a little Put a little, a little something to the side knows. for yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that yeah. That's very much women of the generation, honey. They keep <laughs> okay. a little something and so, uh, in something. their purse. Okay. We were, <laughs> we were finding bank accounts everywhere for over a year. So <laughs> <laughs> not, not your mom all up in the Swissies. <laughs> I, I, I even said to my dad, you might want to check she doesn't have an offshore account somewhere <laughs> at this point because we just keep stumbling upon stuff but um bag somewhere (laughs) so i think um that i i didn't realize how much she gave um which was i mean inspiring but also like her ability to do that without people knowing was like amazing to me um Mm -hmm. i think like two other things that come to mind one was um, so my mom was a pastor, um, which brought a whole nother level of ridiculousness with it um, around her transition. Um, mm-hmm. When we were particularly planning out the invite list to the funeral, because we could only have 50 people there because of COVID restrictions, um, we're running. Now, my dad is very much like, you know, like that whole joke about it's your dad's side of the family. It is like my dad. <laughs> 
is very much like I don't really um she was the church person and I was there to support her but everybody else yes. can get it right and so Mm-hmm. As we're planning this, we're throwing out names of people. And my dad would have these visceral reactions, like, absolutely not. Right. And we would be like, well, what are we mm-hmm. and so all these stories of how people treated my mom, how people treated her as a woman being in ministry, um, even stories of how, like, other parents in the church didn't approve of how she was raising mm. me or the privilege I got and so like we're like oh we're not letting our kids hang around her because of how she oh. like, raised her kids like it was you would thought I went to jail mm-hmm. like I just was didn't have a curfew it wasn't that deep but like so <laughs> and so all yeah. these stories come out of like ways people were really nasty yeah. and mm-hmm. mean to my mom and I there were some things I knew, but we just, I just knew the surface. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, it made me think like, wow, like how much like persecution did she go through and just walk through it? Right. Like mm-hmm. just walk through it mm-hmm. and be like, people are people. My mom always saw the best in people. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, she, she, her initial kind of her first job was a social worker. So I've always feel like, she always like, well, people have issues and you don't know how they grew up and like all these mm-hmm. things. And that kind of informed how she passed it a little bit. Yeah. And it was just mm-hmm. like, like, I can't imagine myself now. Like I thought about myself, like trying to do things and do what I think I'm supposed to do and fulfill my purpose and want to and just have people constantly like coming after me or tearing down my mm-hmm. character in ways or you know, actually doing things to try and make me lose my job and all of these things and just walking through it and raising mm-hmm. kids and having a mm-hmm. husband and still helping people and giving people money and, and helping their mm-hmm. kids and all this stuff and like always making yourself available mm-hmm. to folks. Mm-hmm. And that just really, um, I think it, it helped me put my own life in perspective a bit. Mm-hmm. Like, if she was able to do that, then I could probably navigate the crazy people I work with, right? Like I can probably, I just was, I just had no idea as her kid that it was as deep as it was. And Mm -hmm. also just intrigued at how her and my dad were able to keep that from us because there were some things Mm -hmm. that weren't, they were just so egregious. We knew about them, but Mm -hmm. there was so much I never knew. And they somehow as a unit were able to be like, that ain't got nothing to do with them kids. Like, and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we're we're gonna protect them from that. This is the adults' issue, and we're just mm-hmm. gonna let them, you know, be in these spaces with these people and whatever, and, and figure out what it is for them. And I super impressed by that. And the last thing I'll say, I had to write my mom's obituary. Mm. I just remember um, my dad giving me her resume, and I being like. When did she do all this? I mean, it was so <laughs> much stuff. Mm-hmm. And um so much. Like even right up until she passed, she was working on some like state committee to try and help get services and support for children whose parents were incarcerated. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so what that really did for me in a very weird way was help me make sense of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, 
you know, for better or for worse, I am, you know, an organization girl. I am a service girl. Like, <laughs> uh, is there an opportunity for me to serve mm-hmm. or do it? I'm going to try it. Um, probably mm-hmm. do too much. Me and my therapist are working on that. But <laughs> um, I was like, oh, this was, without me being conscious, this is what was modeled for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, that you, like, it's not just you go to a job every day and you raise your kids, whatever. Like you are here to like give and mm-hmm. serve and make other people's lives better and advocate for folks. And, and if this job don't work for you no more, okay, you can leave that job and you go to another job and just mm-hmm. keep going, like, and I was like, okay, this is why I'm the way I am. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know. I just, you know, I just go, oh, I just like to be busy. Right. Like I just mm-hmm. like, and it was like, no, like, that was what was modeled for me without, I think, me ever being conscious of does it. That, does that give you, does that help you extend some more grace unto Felicia? Understanding that this is sort of <laughs> yes. what you were taught to do and be. Your yeah. possibility model, not right. even like epigenetics model <laughs> almost. <laughs> like. yeah, it, yes. it helped me extend grace to myself and to my mom. Mm. Like, because mm. I do think, and I, you know, not just as a PK, but as a, a child of a mother who, like, service was the center of mm-hmm. who she was, sometimes mm-hmm. you were like, you know, I wish you cared over here as much <laughs> as you were over child, there, making yes. sure, mm-hmm. you know, so and so's daughter was okay and yes. son wasn't on drugs, yes. I wasn't on yes. drugs, but geez, right? Like, yes. um, very real. And I think it helped me be like, you know, she was she was doing what she felt she should do. Um, mm-hmm. And she believed in like being committed to things. Mm-hmm. And I think she thought, which to some extent was right, that is the best model for your kids. Right. Which is why we were drug mm-hmm. along to all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the times you might have been tired when I wanted something or the times you couldn't be at the thing or the time my sisters had to take me to mm-hmm. dance classes because you were mm-hmm. going back to school um mm-hmm. that I think growing up I had you know issues with um I used to actually funny story um I <laughs> my sister used to take me to so much stuff when I was like in elementary or middle school that mm-hmm. people started to think she was my mother and my mom was my grandmother um <laughs> was a whole thing um, <laughs> um so and I, I felt some kind of way about that right um mm-hmm. and I think now that I'm older and I saw all those things and I and I'm becoming that person myself I ain't got no kids but I I don't know that I would change too much if I had kids I can't mm-hmm. speak to that but it made me be like you know what like she was just trying to figure out how to do it all mm-hmm she was mm-hmm. just trying to figure out how to do it all. And and aren't we all? My God. Right. And, my, and listen. And I do think as we got older, she started doing some reflecting. We have very um honest conversations with my mom, all of us, as we got older. Like, hey, like, I know you thought you were doing something good there, but that really didn't it didn't mm-hmm. work very well. Like that didn't feel good to us. And she would be, she would say, like, she would apologize and say, like, mm. this is why I thought this was the best thing to do. And I realize now mm-hmm. that I could have done that differently. 
Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it did. It helped me as I saw myself in the in that resume. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, you know what? She was just trying to be everything to everyone. Mm. And mm. sometimes we benefited and sometimes we got short in the stick of it. And that's mm-hmm. part of life. We talked a lot mm. in the episode about how, you know, recognizing that our parents did the best that they could with what they yeah. had. Um, yeah. and But also holding space for the reality of how that impacted us um, mm-hmm. and how those truths can coexist. I heard Carrie Washington um, when she was on The Breakfast Club recently talking about uh, how your parents get you to a certain point uh, and then it's sort of like up to you to yeah. reparent yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the last conversation, we talked about how our relationships with our moms and Jade talked a lot about how that has sh- is currently shaping the way that she parents Noah. Mm-hmm. How has sort of reflecting on your mom's life and your relationship with her and how she mothered you, uh, how does that show up in how Felicia now parents Felicia? That's interesting. Um, <laughs> so I think, one thing I'll say is um, one thing that has stuck out to me and continues as I get older is the way my mother um, and father navigated their relationship or their marriage with mm-hmm. each other. And um, I used to always joke with them, right, like um, that they have ruined me and I will never be able to get married <laughs> because this model does not exist anymore. Mm. Um, and And what I mean by that is I think my parents modeled for me, particularly my mom, um, that you could be a whole individual Mm -hmm. and still be a wife. partner. Yeah. That's dope, actually. That is actually so dope that you have a model for that because Mm -hmm. the girls need it. And I am the girls, but go ahead. Oh, it's fascinating. (laughs) And that you can find someone who is wants you to be an individual Mm -hmm. and be a partner in that. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think watching not just that when she was alive, but seeing how my father grieved. Um, mm. when she passed mm. really drove how important drove mm-hmm. home how important that was to me mm-hmm. and my my dad my mom had like I said had health issues as she got older and my dad was her primary caregiver and mm-hmm. they were together all the time for the most part and I think there was some tension as they got older because my mom couldn't get around as much and that independence really meant something to her mm-hmm. and I think it was an integral part of their mm-hmm. marriage. And I, I remember asking my dad, <clears throat> well, why did you like, what made you want to marry, you know, my mom? And my dad mm-hmm. said, I saw somebody that wanted something better and was willing to work with me to get it. Mm. And, <laughs> and I just thought back at how my dad, my mom, you know, pastored, my dad played, you know, first gentleman, whatever. I don't know. Gentle is the word I would use with him, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't his whole thing Mr. was Conway. like, I'm here to support her. 
I don't ever want to do anything to embarrass her. I don't everything mm-hmm. that compromises mm-hmm. the ministry she's trying to do, like anything I can do to support that. And he didn't have to be in the front. He wasn't threatened by her or, you know, and they had very different mm-hmm. kind of personalities and upbringings. Um, but my, they were partners and mm-hmm. I saw that even more when she passed because mm-hmm. my, my dad immediately experienced like a deep loneliness. Mm. Um, and so it made me re- not rethink, but I think affirm like that that's what I want. Like I wanted a partner and mm-hmm. that you can have that. And that actually like, that's the best thing to have in these situations. Mm-hmm. I think also parenting myself is, I look back now in a way that I don't think I reflected on it when my mom was alive or forced me to reflect on it, that my mom, she never apologized for wanting to do what it was that she wanted to do professionally, service wise. Mm -hmm. If she felt it was on her heart, Mm. she was going to do it. Mm. Um, And, she didn't let nobody tell her she couldn't do it. Right. She didn't let nobody, um, even her own children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't from a place of like, mm-hmm. I just want to do stuff, but like, I really feel called to do this thing and I'm going to commit to it and I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because I want to improve people's lives. Not because I want to get anything mm-hmm. from it, money, anything like that, but I just want to make the world around me better. And I think, for me, parenting me, when I'm like trying to do stuff or negotiating if I should do things, that comes back to mind, that model of like, what is my motivation here? Mm-hmm. And if I am really mm-hmm. feel like this is something mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be doing, um, one, is it to make people's lives better? And two, um, who gets to tell me that I can't do it? Right? Um, and so mm-hmm. I really... I really say that. And and I think in a weird way, and I don't know if this is healthy or not, but I'm it is what I took away that my mom's version of love in, was embodied in sacrifice. Mm. So when I think about mm. the way that I love, and not in a like deprecating way, mm. right? Yeah. But in a, a, a way of service, right? Um, right. Or sacrifice I think about yourself. myself and when I, mm-hmm. the relationships, whether that is friend relationships, familiar relationships. Um, I don't know about romantic relationships. I don't know nothing about that life. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe if I ever do know that life, that, um, that love is service. Like love is sacrifice. Hmm. And so... In what ways do I ensure that people around me um, know that I love them um, by the ways that I show up and the ways that I make things happen um, in the ways that sometimes I give beyond myself um, mm. and not in a way that's harmful, but in a way that shows them that I'm, that's how much I love them. Acts of service. That's your, yeah. that's your love language. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. 
Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. That sounds like um, the last question I asked the ladies in that episode was one of the was one of the biggest lessons you've learned from your mom. Um, outside of you've you've dropped some some awesome ones. <laughs> I think leaving you with a sense of self in the sense where it's like I can be sure in the decisions that I make. Mm-hmm. I think leaving you with um, an acts of service being both of you all's love language. I think both of those are beautiful things. Is there any th- any one more thing that you can think of that is maybe a, a lesson that your mom left for you, it's, even if you realized it posthumous? Yeah, you know, what's really interesting, um, when you brought up that question, because when you asked it, I was like, you know, mm-hmm. the, you don't really think about that. as, But when mm-hmm. your mom passes, you start thinking about all the lessons. I can imagine. All the lessons. Mm-hmm that you learned that you didn't even know you were learning. And then also you're in this weird space where you Mm -hmm. also grieve all the stuff you're going to miss. Like I had a situation where I was dealing with someone who had children and Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know how this works. Like I ain't had nothing for And I was, and I had like a whole moment where I was like, wow, I wish I could call my mom. Like she, she knows how this Mm -hmm. works. Um, You know, and when my mom was alive, I didn't really talk to her about relationships or dating or because also I was like, this is a complicated part. Mm-hmm. I was like, I ain't until I know this person uh-huh. is a pick. I'm not bringing them around because I don't I don't want to <laughs> make her feel like a failure. That was our complicated, <laughs> <laughs> our complicated relationship. Right? OK, <laughs> like, I don't want her to think like, oh, God, I really messed this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Um, there's a lot of different filing the dynamics there. But um uh but I would say I think what stood out for me even um as a big lesson that I continue to look back and be like, my mom was teaching me this when I didn't know what she was teaching mm. me was how to make a decision. Mm. Right. Um and I and even as a very little kid, like my mom was very big in the like, I'm not just now, unless it's your safety, right? Like, I'm not going to just mm-hmm. say yes or no mm-hmm. to what you're asking. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about it. Now, why do mm-hmm. you want to do this? <laughs> mm-hmm. So how do you mm-hmm. think this is going to turn out when you try to do this? Right. What mm-hmm. What is what is mm-hmm. going to are you willing to deal with that? You know, mm-hmm. my mom used to always mm-hmm. say, like, there are no have to's in life, just consequences. Mm-hmm. And so I think just growing up with that, mm-hmm. I now feel confident in the decisions I make because 
I worked that muscle over mm-hmm. and over again and being able to justify my decisions. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if I wanted to do something, okay, why? Why should we let you do this? Why do you need to do it? Why do you want to do it? You think that's, you know, most beneficial to what you're trying to do? Like, and I used to hate that. Like, it's kid, like, I'm not here to, <laughs> you know. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> that is. Are you fucking serious? I'm so that sorry. Be my mom. I don't know. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, that or not. Like, what <laughs> Just oh weird. my god not now not <laughs> now <laughs> cut the shit hold on uh-huh. what are they doing not now <laughs> yeah what are they doing somebody's drilling uh, <laughs> at fucking five o'clock on saturday <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, but uh, it might be your mother, Felicia. I really am. It might be your it mom. Might be. She might find all this very hilarious. Um, <laughs> in the moments, I would be like, "Why do I have to put yeah. on a whole Broadway production and roll out a business plan because mm-hmm. I would like to like go to the store <laughs> or right. go to the mall or go to this birthday party?" Right, but. Now that I'm older, and especially even seeing some of my peers really struggle with making decisions and standing on the decision that they made and being able to say, mm-hmm. come hell or high water, this is what I decided to do, right? And I'm willing to stand right. by, even if it's a dumb decision, I made it. Which is a skill. Right? Which um, is a skill. I, I appreciate Being able to that. stand up in it, right? So many of us, <laughs> yeah, you know... Uh, sort of been socialized to make excuses or to place blame but to be able to sort of say yeah I did it and this is why I did it and even if it wasn't the right thing to do I thought it was the time so who gonna check me yeah right no and this you just described my teenage years um and that was a lot of like people felt like my mom gave me a lot of my pill for my parents gave me a lot of freedom as you know, they have a curfew, like they, you know, let me stay out and go places and do things um, for the most part. Um, nothing extreme. And, you know, black kids ain't get through. <laughs> like it wasn't, that wasn't a thing. Yeah. Right. Um, not if you were a responsible parent. Right. Um, but one thing my mom was like, you always going to come back and tell me what you did. Like it's, I was honest to a fault. Like, um, because. Yeah. I knew I had made a decision. And in my mind, yeah. it was logical. Right. It made sense. And I should not be ashamed of it because this is what I did. Um, and I, I'll give a quick story. Um, I, <laughs> and this also will highlight some of the problematic things with my more complicated, I will say. Um, we went to um, an after prom party. I went to somebody else's prom oh. as their date because my mom forced me to. <laughs> Um, because his uh, mother was on the ministerial staff at the church and he asked me and I was like, I am not interested in this situation. And she was like, I don't want to hear that from his mouth. You're going, you're going to get a dress. It's going to be great. Acts of service. So... (laughs) (laughs) So I went to this prom. Um, My male best friend at the time went with um, another person who went to that school. So we all kind of went together. Um, I, I grew up in a rural area, so it was not un, um, 
It wasn't abnormal for people to have Single? these huge or this after like, prom. house okay. parties. Um, after prom. Yeah. Like, we're talking mm. like probably 200-some kids at a house, which is ridiculous. <laughs> um, now that I'm older, uh, very dangerous. But we went to this um, party at someone's house. Mm. Okay. Underage drinking occurred. <laughs> so I had told the my male best friend, like, hey, like, again, making decisions. I'm going to drink, so you can't right. drink because right, right, right. somebody's got to drive us home. Right. <laughs> so yes. I thought we had made an agreement. Maybe I didn't wait to, to hear what the response decision was. that you. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we both mm-hmm. were in a situation where no one could drive anywhere by the middle of the night. So we don't leave till uh, six in the morning. Right. So <laughs> sun is coming up. Um, now I have a curfew, but I wasn't ridiculous, right? This is this is bordering on ridiculous at right. this point, right? I had a cell phone, couldn't <laughs> find it, lost it somewhere in this house. <laughs> and I remember us leaving. Now his parents okay, are also goodness. ministers. Um pastor mm-hmm. So yeah, so two church kids um in this predicament here. So oh, um we pull up in my driveway. My mom is at the door, like at the at door. The door. <laughs> looking out of uh <laughs> right <laughs> I look mm-hmm. at my friend I'm like uh, we gotta get our story it. straight like we gotta <laughs> figure out what happened um and I just remember walking in and my mom she didn't raise her voice my mom didn't really yell she was like I hope whatever mm. you did <laughs> you had a good time and I hope you use protection but you better know <laughs> That you're going to church in a few hours. So figure out what you're doing. And I just moseyed my little behind in my room um, and was like, well, I I better get an hour of sleep because she was not playing. I was going to church. And my poor friend, she yelled out the door like, I've already called your mother. She's waiting on you. So and that was just very much. It was like, you are going to feel this tomorrow in a few hours. And you're going to sit in it and you're going to feel the weight of the really bad decisions you made. And if I, I sure did, like it was a rough day the next day. And my mother never had to say anything mm, to me. I'm sure. didn't, that didn't happen again. <laughs> Mostly because I just, I had to function the next day and I couldn't. Now we did, my sister <laughs> dad take me back out there to find the phone. Because you left the phone at the place. Lord have we mercy. found it underneath my date on the floor. Yeah, at the person's house. We went back and it was underneath my date oh, on the floor. Dear. He like passed out on top of it or something. But anyway, so I had a great Wonderful. run my high school years. But um, that was very much it was like, I'm not, you're going to feel the consequences without me like grounding you, without me doing all these things. You made this decision and now you're going to feel the weight of the decision. I'm not going to make the weight mm. of your decisions feel any better. Right. And it's not going to be about, you know, that we had, you know, it really for me was like, oh, like this is, you know, we did have a conversation like you don't disrespect this house by coming mm-hmm. back this late, mostly because it scares the crap out of us. Like we don't know where you're at and all these things. But it was like, I, it, I don't want you to not make this decision again because you're scared of me. I want you to not mm-hmm. make this decision again because it was a bad decision. And so that yeah. um, I, I, those things stick with me 
Um, and even when I make decisions that don't turn out right, I have the ability to go back and say, right. Right. <laughs> where did my process go wrong here? As opposed to like just feeling shame. And I, I will always appreciate that now. We can talk about why you shouldn't force your kids <laughs> to go on dates they don't want to go on. But that uh, <laughs> so uh, that, Jade, Jade mentioned that how the last conversation we had about moms <laughs> ended. Um, I remember how it started. Right. So uh, she asked us, uh, "How would we describe our relationship with our moms, uh, whether in childhood, adulthood?" You know. So I would pose that same question to you. With the caveat that, like, you know, I just want to say, in my grief process, one of the things that I struggle with is verb tense because I sometimes still feel very much like y'all know I talk about Brian all the time. Like I talk about Grandma all the time uh, because I don't, mm-hmm. I still, I don't know how to be Kia without those people, and so. For that reason, very weirdly, and I'll say this, I'm not projecting. You can totally disagree with me. But I'm just saying, like, I say that to say that I still very much feel like I am in relationship with them, even though they are not in this realm. Mm -hmm. So I would add, so just offering that as well. So, like, uh, how would you describe your relationship with with your mom, you know, at any phase? Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think it went through stages, right? I think... (laughs) I think when I was a kid, I saw my mom as like the the person I had to impress. Mm. And my mom, and I also felt like she was not easily impressed. Mm-hmm. Same, big same, big same. <laughs> um, and so, mm. you know, I mean, it would, mm. it became almost things people would be like, oh, that's really great. I'd be like, no, it's not really that great like because you know I, I remember like people would say like oh you've done this for so long and I'd be like well you're not supposed to quit things like because that's how my mom felt like mm-hmm. that's not impressive that you didn't quit you're not supposed to quit things right like I'm not impressed that you got A's you're supposed to get a- you don't have a d- job so <laughs> okay so we had the same huh? we all right. had the same mama right and so um as I got older, like that stuck with me. And so um, I appreciate everything she did for me, all the opportunities, all the, you know, there were things that I had access to that for where we, where we lived and, and what, what um, economic class we were in, I shouldn't have access to, but I did um, because of my mother. But I think then as I became like a younger adult, like in my twenties, I, I wouldn't say hid, I just didn't share. Mm. A lot of my life with my mom, because one, I didn't want her to be like, well, that's not the wisest decision, like, you know, or to feel like I always felt like I said that she would look at my decisions and feel like it was a reflection on her. Right. Um, Like, like I always tell my mom used to be mad. I didn't iron my jeans to go to school. (laughs) Because they ironed everything. And it was never like, you look bad. It was like, people are going to look at you and be like, that woman does not take care of her child. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. And and I carried that, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm out here living, (laughs) you know, my life Mm -hmm. in my 20s and colleges. And how about we just don't share things unless Mm -hmm. they are amazing, right? Because I don't want 
her to feel like she failed. I want to feel like I'm a bad kid, like, or a bad reflection of who she is. And so I think a large part of my 20s, I I look back now and I'm like, wow, my mom doesn't. And that's something I struggle with now that she's passed is like, my mom didn't know a whole portion of my life. Like she didn't know a whole portion of things that I experienced that happened to me, that shaped Mm. me because I was like, nope, we're just not going to share those things. Um, And not that I ever thought she would have a bad reaction. I just didn't want her to feel bad. Um, And then getting into my like mid to late thirties. And I think we got a little more, like I said, very transparent, open, um, but I was very busy <laughs> and, and I do, I do some, I, you know, if I'm honest, regret, like I've like, I could have gone home one more time. I could have picked up the phone mm-hmm. a couple more times. And my mom was the type of person, she was never going to make me feel guilty about that. But I, I, I struggle with, did it hurt her feelings? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, now I'm on the other side, I, I, and I say this like every birthday, whatever. Like I hope that I'm making her proud. Like I really do, and I think that's part of my relationship with her now. Um, I think very strangely enough, I talk more honestly now. Ain't with that my- it? Ain't that crazy? <laughs> than when she was here. That's wild that you say that because that is the realest thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the Very, realest thing. Far more honest now, and I think what hmm. one of the things that I write, and I think I've talked to you, Kia, about this is mm-hmm. like I just hope she knows I loved her. Um, and I think that that part of navigating this relationship with her in spirit is like I hope I hope that if she didn't know that whatever I'm doing now this relationship now that she knows how much how much I loved her and and it's tricky um you talked about tenses like Mm -hmm. tenses are tricky and then my mom passing during the COVID years has also and and the way everything happened and it was kind of like we didn't get to have a big you know thing and all this thing so Things still happen to me where people who weren't aware or aren't in direct mm. community with wow. me, this just happened um, at a wedding I was at where someone was like, oh, I remember your mom. How is she? Mm-hmm. And then I have to be like, oh, <laughs> my mom passed. And that is like a That's hard. A weird yeah, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I was home. Um, we mm-hmm. have a cookout every year. I was home. One of... Um, the people in my family was like, wow, you really, you really look like your mom. And I don't know why that was just like, I don't know that I wanted to hear that. right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's a weird, like, not because I don't want to look like my mom, but it's like, my mom doesn't get to see that I am starting to look like her. Right. Um, yeah. And then having a father, and we've talked about this too, Kia, but, and I won't put on my dad's business in the street, but watching your father, navigate being single Mm, my jesus today and tomorrow you have Mm. never in your Mm. life known your father as single it's a no thank you for me it's a no (laughs) ma'am i don't need no parts of that i'm praying for you 
it is a very Mm-mm. and 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 in respect and, and I think I'm the only one one of the things I had to wrestle with was because I feel like my sister that we share with my father and even my sister that is my biological with my mom I feel like they're navigating like way different than I am but I had to remember that they've seen it before they're older yes they have Correct. they were there when my parents were dating right mm-hmm. like I <laughs> have not seen my parent who's been married my whole life, well, at least what I can remember, um, single. And so now I'm getting to see my dad as a man. And I'm a grown woman and I like understand things. And it's like, it is a lot. And, going and in respect to relationship with my mom, I know my mom wouldn't feel some kind of way, but then you feel this weird tension like if if i'm in like you got like, like you like, like I, you got to represent her like yeah, come like, on am I, am I betraying yes. her by being okay with this and like mm-hmm. i'm like i know my dad's lonely and i don't want him to be lonely that's like that's, that's not real. good for him but also like i don't know if i want to like you know be in the on this ride like I don't know, yeah. like and I'll, it's uh, very very um it, that is when I tell you a head trip that hits me <laughs> more than it doesn't. Um, and just, oh, it's just that's that's and and being like my mom would be okay with it. Like you have to, I like, and sometimes I'm my mom like, are you okay with that? Like, send me a sign. Like, hello, you like, got to show up and say something. Honey, <laughs> because this is my mom is a vocal lady. And she used to, now the niggas outside, nobody wants me to be great today. No, no, we can't hear. Go ahead. Yeah. She used to, she used to tell me and my sister flat out, if something happens to me and your father brings another woman around here, what y'all going to do? Because I don't like it. And we would be like, we're going to make our life miserable. (laughs) (laughs) But I can understand, though, as an adult now and understanding adult needs, but all and, you know, also understanding the dynamics of cis hetero men. My Lord. And who have been partnered for a goddamn long time. I'm going to mute myself now. (laughs) No, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's my mom affirming your (laughs) She is <laughs> like, that's it. That's it. It's yeah. really, it's, it's a head trip. Um, but also like, like I said, like I've watched my dad when I, when I would call the house the week, not the week, cause we were there that week, but maybe the week after the funeral, I would call my dad and it would be so loud. And like the television would be up all the way. Mm. Muse, my dad never played music all day. Music blaring through the house and I'd be like that that why do you, why is this so loud and he was like it's just too quiet in here like it's just too quiet I can't take this my dad so I was like you know he's lonely and and mm-hmm. your kids can't fulfill that right like you, you, he needs companionship I just don't know now you know I and I'd be trying to be an adult but and this is I never think I was this person when my mom was alive, but now my mom is transitioned. I very much want to go back and forth between being an adult and being a child. Like, like sometimes I'm like, you know what? I would just treat me like I'm six. Like I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to have these adult conversations. Um, Cause there's some 
protection there, some innocence yeah. that feels safe there. Um, even at the funeral, I remember um, my mom was a paralegal at one point. She had a lot of jobs because she liked to work shop. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, she worked for this judge. So she, and this is when I was in like middle school and part of high school. And so she was at the funeral and I'll never forget. She walked across the front row and was like, you know, greeting us. And she grabbed my face in her hands. And she was like, oh, you, you baby, you poor baby. And I almost fell apart because it was like, I felt like she saw the kid in me. Mm-hmm. And so there are times that I want that. Mm-hmm. And then there are times where I'm like, no, I want to be an adult. But that whole navigating your dad being a man. Mm. I'd be like, you know, mm. I want to be six. <laughs> because, mm. But I can't. I'm an adult and I know what's going on. You don't have to share. That's the part. You don't have to, I, I know what's going on. You know, y'all, y'all are very transparent people, but we don't mm. have to give me graphics. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be that at all. I don't know what I would do if yeah, I had so, ever. I feel... I feel that my identity as my mom's daughter has heightened huh. since she passed. I would say mm. the same for my brother. Like, I always was a big sister, but now I really feel it, like, in my bones in a way. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's just salient. So I, I get that for sure. Yeah. I just wanted to just sort of say that we are having these conversations not to sort of achieve any closure or give out any advice mm-hmm. or any of that. Mm-hmm. I think what we want to to convey is that we're all negotiating these life transitions and circumstances and conditions. Yeah. And so I know, Felicia, that there are many women who will feel seen and heard oh, because of absolutely. your transparency and your vulnerability at the kitchen table today. So know that, um, you know, Jade and I truly appreciate your willingness to come on and talk about your mom. We love your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, just to go back to what you were saying before, I, re- I, your, your desire to want to know for sure that your mom knew how much you loved her resonates with me. And mm-hmm. I just think that that's just a function of grief. But I mm-hmm. will say that as your friend, I've, I, th- I, I think everyone that knows you, can see mm. your your that the evidence of that deep love and connection that you still have with your mom. I appreciate yeah. for for what it's worth. I'm proud of you. I know that she is as well. And um, you know, you 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 represent and embody all that she put in you in mm. such a powerful way. And uh Thank you for for coming and and sharing um, your heart with us today. And like like Jay said, we were we didn't want to come in too scripted. We didn't want to. We just <laughs> wanted to let the conversation sort of evolve and grow. So thank everyone for your patience as we just sort of work through this because this is this is you know I, we all love our moms very deeply. So we recognize how uh, heavy and weighty and significant and substantial mm-hmm. um this conversation is so thank you 
Thank you yeah. for, for being Thank on. you. And I know it's going to, it's this is going to help somebody yeah. like immensely who may not have felt seen in our initial conversation. And I think um, even in us, not, not shamelessly plugging, but intersectionality itself, mm-hmm. we talk, you know, we're talking about complicated black mother and daughter dynamics, but there's people who have living mothers that they don't talk to. Right. Like there are people who have lost their mothers. You lost your mother. You still have your father. There are people who lost their mothers as their only parent. So I feel like we could absolutely continue these conversations and have different perspectives. And like Kia said, we really thank you for, for, you know, being open enough to come and share yours as well, because it's going to resonate with somebody for For sure. sure. And we're grateful for all that you shared. And your mom instilled in you, in the end, the ability for you to be proud of yourself. And all of all of what you're talking about, that's I took that away. Yeah. That she's like, I you can be proud of yourself. And so I think that's a beautiful thing. And that makes her proud. Oh, yeah. I appreciate y'all. And thank y'all um, for this opportunity. I don't... And, and I want to also be grateful for... I had a I mean, unfortunately, fortunately, a community of people around me who had experienced this type of loss Mm -hmm. when I experienced it. And they were very instrumental in helping me make sense of this weird, awful club we're a part of now. Mm -hmm. Um, And also have really Mm -hmm. great friends. And um, Kia, you were amazing (laughs) during that time. And Jade, even you always were sending kind messages and things. And I, I appreciate it. And I think one of the last things I said to my mom when I kind of stopped there is, um, and I don't, you know, mom, she was on a ventilator and things, so I don't even know if she heard me, but I believe that she did. Um, when we were saying our last kind of goodbyes to my mom, I said to her that it was okay for her to go because she had mm. taught us everything we needed to know to mm. make it in the world. And she should not feel that she had anything left to give us. Mm. Um, and I really believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was, though I have grief, I also had peace. Yeah. That I I learned everything that I was supposed to learn from my mom to be able to survive and be a woman. Um, and even though I will grieve the things that my mom will not get to experience in person, um, mm-hmm. The part of me will all part of her will always be there because she made sure to leave a part of herself inside of me. That's right. Um, and so I don't feel that I don't feel that I was cheated per se. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, yeah, it sucks that I won't get certain things, but I don't feel cheated. I feel like we had a full ride together. Um, and so that sometimes is what keeps me. Mm-hmm. Um you know, from 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 getting stuck in possible regret. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but thank you both um, for for the space. Um, some of us who have lost our mothers, I think we all don't always feel comfortable yeah. in spaces with people with moms <laughs> no, <laughs> to, to talk real. about it because where it's like, oh, I don't want to be that little Zoloft cloud that like. No. <laughs> <laughs> comes in the room and makes everybody feel bad about saying anything. No, no, no. Um, no so no. I do uh, appreciate um, holding space 
for for folks like myself. Absolutely. I'm grateful again to you for being willing to come on. And I'm sure our entire audience is as well. Um, if, if there are other aspects or dynamics of the conversation, um, like Jay said, I think that this will be sort of an unofficial series, uh, so to speak. Yeah. So I think as the conversation continues to evolve, we'll continue to to chat about it. Uh, so yes, thank you for this round, this this uh, level and layer of conversation. I'm sure we'll continue, but we appreciate y'all yes. for joining us and stick mm-hmm. around for the next segment. Yay. Yes. <laughs> Once again, this segment was brought to you by Target and Black Beyond Measure. Target has you covered from a range of Black-owned or founded products, alongside impactful opportunities to support and invest in the next generation of HBCU excellence. Lock in with Target this homecoming season and beyond at Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure. The leaves are turning, the weather is cooling, and you guessed it, honey, pumpkin spiced. Everything is in the air. Fall vibes are now vibing and trending. Whatever you're into this fall, you can find it at Walmart. Entertaining, gorgeous fall-inspired rose gold flatware will take that potluck up a notch. And greet your guests in style in an internally classic sweater dress with a bold red lip. Tailgating, homecomings, apple pickings, grab a chunky sweater and some luxe loafers for an elevated fall outing. Or pair that dark and moody floral print dress with a modern boot for the perfect low-key glam look for any fall occasion. Stay in for a cozy evening at home with the beautiful pillar and scented candles in warm and earthy colors, fleece blankets, velvet throat pillows, and the perfect at-home self-care from the beloved brands uh, like Elf, Kristen S., Bubble, Dossier, and Skin Proud. Whatever you're into this fall, it's now trending at Walmart. Head to the Walmart app to shop right now. Honestly, truly. All right, y'all, it is time for the honesty box this week, or should I say a few honesty boxes. Um, first of all, wasn't that such a awesome conversation with Felicia that we had? A rich uh, conversation, very... Very rich, very layered. Um, and, you know, I'd love, like I, like I said before, I'd love for us to continue these conversations with those who have... A living mother who they may not have a relationship with, someone who has lost a mother they also did not have a good relationship with, someone who has been raised by someone else that they consider their their yeah. mother, you know, their motherly figure and so forth. And I just think there's so many different perspectives for us to continue on. But some of you shared some of your thoughts as it pertained to the first uh, the its its status. It's complicated, um, and so we're going to share some of those thoughts here because we don't know what you all want to be called we will give you all pseudonyms sounds good um and i'll start with the first one here sister go for it i want to express my deep love and appreciation for getting grown and everything jade and kia bring both to the trash and the kitchen table every week thank you for embodying the true essence of black girl magic ding Now, diving into this week's episode, it was beyond therapeutic for me. Hearing you, Jade, Kia, Crystal, and Fran share your experiences mirroring my own childhood and relationship with my mom so accurately was unexpectedly comforting. 
It felt like you were describing my upbringing to a T, and it was like receiving a warm embrace from my inner child. Mm -hmm. Seeing parts of my own journey and my mom's story reflected in each of yours validated my feelings and experiences. It's incredibly reassuring to witness other strong women acknowledging and healing from similar challenges while still cherishing their relationships with their mothers. As a proud parent to a beautiful little black girl, I've made it my mission to utilize everything I've learned from my own upbringing to be the best mother I can be for her. This conversation urged me to take a deeper look within myself and examine how my childhood influences my approach to parenting. It's a chance to make corrections and break free from the cycles of trauma, ensuring a brighter, healthier future for my family. Please never stop being the bright lights you both are. Love, Miss Lennox. All right. Oh, Miss Lennox. Lennox. Thank um, you so much. Really? And I feel you. I'm right there with you. We doing this together. I mean, it's some new black mom shit. New black mom shit. <laughs> crazy yeah who wants to be down with my coalition <laughs> okay you want to read our next one <laughs> sure the next the next one begins greetings ladies i appreciate your show so much and thank you for your hard work i haven't even finished listening to the episode yet but i have to stop and thank you for this i'm 52 and also have a complicated relationship with my mother I've struggled mm -hmm. with even attempting to describe this to myself, much less anyone else other than my therapist. Your discussion put into word things I have not been able to articulate. Wow. One of the hardest parts chills. about this is that the folks that do have those close, affectionate mother-daughter relationships not only can't relate, but also shame those of us that don't. To that point, you can't even talk about it. All this to say, I am grateful for you all sharing this. I'm so relieved that I finally know that it's not just me with gratitude, Claire Hanks Huxtable. <laughs> oh, Claire. Yes. Well, if I may challenge you, Claire, mm. if I may. Please. Um, we have a, a dynamic group of black women that we are in sisterhood with. For sure. And all of us have varying relationships with our mothers. So Fair. while you heard uh you know, um, perspectives from Kia, myself, Fran and Crystal. We've got other ones within our group who do have closer relationships with their mothers. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about our rainbow of experiences um, as a friend group is that we also can have these conversations and it's just beautiful to get the other perspectives. Um, I'm sorry if p some folks have made you feel like you are alienated for this mm. type of relationship with your mother. And I'm I'm grateful that we were to, able to bring you into community so that you know that you're not the only one. Um, but there are people out there who have a different experience but can respect the one that you have as well. And so I hope you just take that with you. Yeah. I hope that offered anything to you. It's not a... I'm not, it's, you know, I'm not being combative. It's just a challenge mm -hmm. so, so that you... You don't feel that weight of, I can't talk about this because somebody else is not going to understand yeah. it. Yeah. Well said, sis. Thank you. Um, Thank you. But we got a lot of love for you, Claire. Absolutely. And you know, you are our sister girl as well. Absolutely. I mean, I love that our kitchen table has women of all ages, stages. What? Okay. We out here. I live for it. 
Oh, we got one who said, use my name. Okay. Hello, ladies. I'm Mike with a Y. Okay. Um, Status It's Complicated is my favorite GG episode yet. I'm a 41-year-old black Latino man who's, quote unquote, raising his parents. Mm. My teens and early 20s were very turbulent because I tried to be a perfect kid until I was 16-ish but then rebelled until about 27 because I felt my parents didn't understand who I am. Mm -hmm. I took me moving from Louisiana to Oregon to fully, quote-unquote, see and understand my parents. They were just doing the best they could with the examples and tools they had. Now with my parents in their early 70s, retired and able to reflect, we're able to have conversations about how some childhood experiences have negatively affected me with no accusations, but just explaining my experiences to them. For the most part, it's been positive. My dad is very defensive and tends to deflect. Typical black man from his era. Mm-hmm. However, I feel they're both trying their best to, quote, do the work and acknowledge areas they could have done better. Honestly, that's all that matters to me. My parents have been together since 17, raised four successful black children, and are still the most in love with each other people I know. The adult-child relationship with black parents is very specific yet nuanced subject. I feel so grateful and privileged that I'm able to tap into this source of positive blackness and hear conversations that validate my experiences. Thank you, thank you, thank you, ladies. With deep appreciation, Mike. Oh, Mike. Mike. All of y'all are giving me chills today. I I feel so grateful that you all feel comfortable and safe enough to also share your experiences. Yeah. You know, even if in a short form. Don't take it. We don't take it for granted. We don't. Uh, This person did not give us permission, so I will give him a pseudonym. Let's call him Michael Evans. Mike. (laughs) Let's go. Michael Evans writes, Hi, Chef Jade and Dr. Kia. I must say that this latest episode opened up a lot of feelings about my relationships with my mom and my dad. We are not in the best place, and I sometimes feel like I'm trying to force a relationship uh, force the relationship that I want with them versus working on the ones I currently have with them. Being a black man, I have always tried to love, support, and protect the black women in my life, um, even if they didn't always receive or acknowledge it sometimes. Also, as a black gay man, I have also tried to break down the toxic masculinity that stifles communicating with my dad about all of who I am and currently becoming. Mm. Being in therapy has been a safe haven, and I'm encouraging my parents to try it, but this is an old-school mentality that we are talking about here. Deflection Mm -hmm. from them at times has been a hurdle. I cannot leap successfully every time. Mm. How How do you get into the place of acceptance of where your relationships are with your parents, and how do you not beat yourself up about not having the relationships we all wanted from our parents to have those serious conversations? Love you, ladies, to life. Michael Evans. Oh, Michael Evans. Um, I feel like I want to jump in and just sort of say I feel uh, very much where you are um, mm-hmm. as it relates to uh, encouraging my mom to talk to somebody. Um, mm. And my mom is not resistant to it. She's not close to it. But she's mm-hmm. also not proactive about it. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm also in this very strange place where it's like, I want her to want to do this for her. Yeah. I don't want yes. her to do this for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's this 
very tenuous place of like I, I'm encouraging her to go, but but also being very vocal about this being her decision. And so the journey to acceptance um, is a long one. And I don't know that there are hard and fast steps that you take and you just accept it. I think Mm -hmm. you should prepare yourself. There will be days when you're like, okay, like, listen, you know, it is what it is. And I have to move Mm -hmm. forward with my own uh, work, self-work. And then there will be days where you will be sad uh, that there are conversations that you are not able to have because it's one-sided. I think I talked about that in the episode, how it's hard when you're working on yourself, trying to develop tools and language to process uh, your conditions and the trauma. And the people who are you in a partnership with or relationship with in your family don't have the same tools and language. And so there is this divide there that does not go away. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I just wanted to sort of say you're not alone. Um, and I also want to encourage you that, you know, you're you're grown and your parents are grown. I think one of the beautiful mm-hmm. things about adulting is that we come to see our parents as people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they... You cannot hold yourself responsible uh, or at fault um, because your relationship with your parents is not just a function of your behavior. Mm-hmm. It It is a partnership. It is a bi-directional interaction. And so it's the onus is not all on you. And therefore, mm-hmm. the responsibility or fault cannot be on you. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I would want you to sort of give yourself, I hope that, I offer to you because I have to offer to myself. We have to work very hard at extending ourselves grace. Yeah. And developing practices of actually being kind to ourselves. And so when you have these feelings of like, dang, you know, I wish my relationship with my parents was like this or because my relationship is like this, you know, it's all my fault. I will offer you to stop yourself in that moment and um, speak to yourself like you would speak to your friend um, yeah. who might be dealing with a, a, a situation like yours. But Michael Evans, baby, we are all in this boat along with you, Listen, darling. <laughs> and, and Michael Evans, a relationship is it goes two ways. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And so, A, number one, you didn't ask to be brought into this world. Period. Number two, and you are the you child are in this are. situation. Yes, you are the child in this situation. Even you if adult, you're grown, you are the you're child. still the child. Even if you're this grown, this is a choice that was out of your control. Yes, that you're here, and you are who you are in all facets and all forms, and that is beautiful in all facets and all forms. And you, the beautiful thing about us as we become adults is we can choose family and choose community, and you doing what you can on your end to cultivate this this relationship with your parents is all you can do. If it's not met with the same energy and the same intention, that doesn't fall on you. Mm-hmm. But there is a gaggle of people out here who do love you. So many. Who will love you. And that's the beautiful thing about becoming an adult as well. Yes. And so I hope you carry that with you and I hope you're able to release some of that uh, misplaced guilt 
um, around not being able to have the type of relationship that you want with your parents. And again, like everybody else, these raggedy ass niggas. <laughs> not you. Like, how are you not deaf? How are you not deaf right now with the, uh, the, the levels that you are playing these things in your vehicle, in an enclosed space that you are rolling around in? Oh, it's so, oh my God. Maddening. Like, I can hear your lyrics, nigga. So what does that mean for you? The reverb, what is that doing to your nervous system? I am so sorry. Anyway, <laughs> this is Michael Evans. Is that who we're talking to? Yes. Michael Evans. I apologize. Um, see, that was out of my control. You see? <laughs> <laughs> it's not It's not in your control and it's not your guilt. It's not yours to hold on to. And I hope that's helpful. And I'm just glad that you right here with us, too. And that's it. We in the work together, Michael. So thank you. And thank you, everyone, for sending your thoughts and feedback and questions and comments. We love to read them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, listen, as you listen to the episodes, please feel free to chime in. Y'all know how to reach us. Uh, You can send your emails, uh, questions, comments um, to hello at gettinggrown.co. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I see what you did there. All right, let's move on to this self-care. Let's do it. <laughs> this week in self-care, I'm going to share a little bit of a conversation that uh, we were having with friend Equal Jade. We were talking oh, about yes. it's been a very uh, intense travel season for us. Uh, we've been working, um, but we all talked about You know, sometimes you just look up and you realize you have not used your kitchen in months. Mm. Mm. I mean, Mm. I'm almost ashamed. I'm ashamed. No, no need to be. No. Uh, no. Because, you know, and I had a a moment where I was talking to my, you know, you need just, you know, reflecting and thinking. And I I had some time, you know, where I didn't have to travel for a couple of weeks and I bought some groceries Mm -hmm. and I've been cooking and I really said that you know moving forward toward the end of the year to the best of my ability around my travel schedule I'm going to commit to preparing my own food making Mm -hmm. the time you know a lot of times I Mm -hmm. say and it's true I'm not able to cook as much as I would like because of work but I'm going to be intentional about making the time dedicating time Mm -hmm. to prepare my food because I like mm-hmm. to cook and I enjoy cooking. I grew up cooking and I want to, it's, it's a skill that I want to continue to grow and cultivate. Like you were talking about on the last episode where yes. you were saying you want Noah to have to grow up in a home where Sunday dinners happen. You know, yeah. I think a lot of times because I'm, I'm single and, you know, I sort of, you know, it's just me. And it is, it's not an excuse, right? But it is sort of like, sometimes it, it's almost so much labor to you cook and clean when it's just you mm-hmm. eating, right? Mm-hmm. Seems like a lot of work, but it's worth it because you know I always enjoy it. So I yep. am trying to reframe. Um, and as I'm thinking about my life and curating the life that I want and making choices, I make time to work out, and I'm going to make time as well to prepare my meals. It doesn't mean that I'm going to. You know, I have my meal prep service and all that stuff. I'm not completely eliminating any of those options. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at least once or twice a week, I'm going to cook a meal in my kitchen. A a real meal. Um, 
something that I want to eat, something, you mm-hmm. know. And one of the ways that I've been sort of getting excited about cooking again is searching for recipes and looking at people cooking on TikTok. Um, and I love that on TikTok, you can, like, if there's something you want to make, you say, I want to make ribeye steak, you can put ribeye steaks, black people. And you can get yep. all of the black content creators. Yep. Who, you know, season and do the things that we were taught and trained to do. Mm-hmm. So that's yes. my self-care. I've been in my kitchen. I've been shopping. I've been cooking and eating good in my neighborhood. Go me. Your cabbage the other day sounded fan-fucking-tastic. Yes, I, must I was say. very, 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 very pleased with it. And Keisha came over here on Friday and helped me to eat the rest of it up. Oh, I would absolutely love to have some of that cabbage. And when I come down, I know I will. Yes, because I got you. I told you. Mm, mm, mm. You're going to have me make that this week, actually. It's so easy, too, because, you know, cabbage don't take no time. No, it doesn't. But just like the flavor, even just just a little bit of like the andouille sauce that mm-hmm. you put in it. I was like, oh, fuck it up one time. <laughs> <laughs> I like this what I like to hear. Yeah. Mm. Well, my self-care this week. You know, Tristan and I, you know, we be busy. Mm-hmm. Um, I got two self-cares, actually, now that I think about it. I hear that. We be busy. Um, and, you know, sometimes, especially back to school season and, and the start of fall is just nonstop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't get to be as intentional. We, we do a lot in the summer. So, like, you don't get to do that as much in the fall. And you do have to be intentional, should I say about that time. So I bought these tickets um, months ago. This Mm. was going to be my petty peeve, but it's not anymore. So I'll tell you. So I bought these tickets months ago to go see a comedian by the name of Zaynab Johnson. Oh. Now, Zaynab is hilarious. I guarantee you've probably seen one of her clips or something on social media. I'm sure. She is is funny. She is very funny. Comedian out of New York. Um, Now L.A. based, but hilarious and she was opened by sydney washington who i always enjoy um who i met through uh my good dear friend amina so sydney opened up the show she was a good time and then zaynab came through and killed it and the thing is i had the date wrong i bought the tickets in july okay so here tristan and i show up to the venue friday night la 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 we're going to a show look at us it's 10 o'clock and they were like that's tomorrow. Girl, we were that's like, tomorrow. Oh, nigga. So we said, okay, well, we're already outside. We're going to go get some food. So we go to one of our favorite restaurants. Yeah. And we were like, shout out to an impromptu date night. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Shout out to us. The next night, we go to the actual show. Good time. And the sh- fan-fucking-tastic. So we got two date nights in one weekend. Look at us. I love um, that. The other self-care that I have is I flew down to Houston for yes. a day, 24 hours, yes. maybe 36, to go get my eyebrows touched up. Remember, yes. I told you all that I got a micro shaded mm-hmm. and you're supposed to get a touch up 30 days after. But obviously, because I had to travel and, you know, stuff, I couldn't do it quite 30 days. So I finally went down for my touch up. And if you are on Patreon, they look amazed. You will see. So good. That they are fantastic. So good. 
Shout out to Nikki of NL Makeup slash Plentiful Brows. If you cannot get down to her to go get your eyebrows micro shaded, at least get the eyebrow pencils. They are fantastic. Yes, if you can one see of the best my eyebrows, mm-hmm. <laughs> they yes. are the pencils. Okay. Yeah, we're doing it at YouTube, but like yes. around our eyebrows. <laughs> but no, I'm really excited and I'm trying to get my timing together so that I can get yes. down to Nikki to get my... She said that I'm going to get powder. I don't know. She explained mm-hmm. it to me. Yes, yes. Because you know, That's I where like, it doesn't have an outline. Yes, I like my shape. Mm-hmm. I yes. just need to fill in the sparse areas and yes. my tails. I don't yes, want to powder sounds perfect. Yes, I don't want to I don't want to mess with it because I enjoy my natural. Me and my mom have really good brows. Rhonda gave me good brows. They have great density naturally. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And I just have to fill in and you know shape yes. them a bit, but that was I don't, that was mine. I don't like to mess with them. I don't like to mess with them, but Nikki said that the powder will, you know, act as the sh- as the just like the pencil. And so I'm yep. ready for that. So I don't need to go yes. all the way. But, you know, she has something for me as well. I'm going to get that. So I have a combination. Because mm-hmm. there's powder and then there's uh, um, uh, ombre. Yes. Okay. Wait, I think. Or something. And I have a combo. So uh, while I already have also my natural shape, mm-hmm. I had to just do a fill-in so part of it is powder and then there's a little bit more structuring down because I my see. tails go wild. Yeah. Um, and so that's where, because I too have density to my eyebrows. They just needed some, 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 you know, yes. just some help. Now, how long, <laughs> how long will this last? So it can last anywhere from like a year and a half to two and a half years depending upon how oily your skin is because obviously you know the oily your skin is the more it pushes the ink out but it but it can last anywhere from a year and a half and then if the drier your skin is it can last longer some people have had it for up to three four years Mm. because their skin is not pushing the pigment out so i think it just varies Mm. which is why people cannot be like it's been a year and a half and you told me that's a good micro shading technician does not tell you how long it's going they do not give you a definitive time because it also it just depends on how your skin reacts but it is an extended period of time and very well worth i think um everything that it entailed it didn't hurt it doesn't it's not it can get a little uncomfortable at times but i would not call it like it's not not painful um and you know does it feel like tattoos i highly recommend does it feel like a no. tattoo? Because you have tattoos. Does it feel like a yeah, tattoo? Yeah, I have a lot of them. No, <laughs> it does not feel like a tattoo because a okay. tattoo penetrates much deeper. Okay. Then this is very surface level. It's literally just, it's the smallest, tiniest little needle. Like, yeah. you know what it looks like? A mechanical pencil. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then they numb you. Like yeah. she numbs you and, you know, all of that. So you get all that. So it's not even... It just feels like maybe somebody's taking a little tweezer and like okay. just poking at you, just poking, okay. poking, poking. But it's not bad. Okay. Yeah. 
So I highly recommend. Self-care. You all have already missed uh, the start of the window. prices. That's right. But that's okay because she's still very reasonably priced and incredibly talented. And we need to be paying black women for their talent anyway. And we're going to have an episode on that soon because we have a fantastic creative coming through. Remember, we're doing the series on creatives among us. And um, if you are in the Patreon and you see my Paddington bear hat. Yes. Kit made this of Adornment Architect, and we're going to talk to Kit soon because she got an interesting comment from somebody about how Shein charges this much, yet she charges this much. And well, I mean, right there. <laughs> I mean, hold the, hold the asbestos or whatever it is that was in. Hold, oh, hold the Rico, hold the everything. We're going to have that conversation soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good, good, good. But let's, with that being said, let's move on to these petty peeves. Let's get petty. It's that time of year again to bring the HBCU energy. Target has you covered from a range of Black-owned or founded products alongside impactful opportunities to support and invest in the next generation of HBCU excellence. Whether it's homecoming or brunch with the girls, add an exclamation point to the menu with the Bronx-owned Ghetto Gastro's waffle mix and syrup and Slutty Vegan's Tasty Dips. Even better, make it a party with fun games like Lyrically Correct and Culture Karaoke. Discover more ways to tap in with Black-owned or founded products for your next social gathering. And oh, by the way, did you know Target's bringing back the HBCU Design Challenge? A creative competition pairing HBCU students with Target mentors. Keep an eye out for Target Scholars as well, a scholastic program offering financial assistance and internship opportunities for HBCU students. Lock in with Target this homecoming season and beyond at Target.com slash BlackBeyondMeasure. You know what else Target is doing? They're sponsoring season two of Illuminating Intersectionality, hosted by myself, Chef Jade, Dr. Takia Robinson, and Fran of Hey Fran Hey. It's a three-part series, season two, that discusses intersectionality as Black women in different spaces. And in this particular season, we are covering what? HBCUs. Episode one focuses on illuminating black women scholars and the scholarly contributions of black women at HBCUs. Episode two focuses on exploring intersecting identities in predominantly black spaces, where Fran talks about the foreign born experience and HBCUs and how we can unify as the diaspora. And episode three, hosted by your girl, explores cultural expression and the HBCU experience through the legacy of food and culture. Illuminating Intersectionality drops homecoming week. Make sure you listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Tremphia. 
And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody know I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey. It's time for the petty peeves. And I have a continuation of mine. Oh. If you listen to Jaden XD, you caught it in real time breaking news CNN. But I'm going to share with the Getting Grown audience because it was my petty peeve last week. Okay. So remember, my nail lady yes. went to go see her family. Yes. Oh, which no. she has every right to do. Oh, no. And I had my appointment on, for Friday, October 6th. Yes. And so I went to Houston, did the eyebrows, oh. got myself back. I was like, okay, the day has come. I yes. have been faithful. I have gone one month and like, what, a week and a half or some shit like that. Yes. Stayed loyal. I get a text message in the middle of recording Jaden XD. The so you got a hey boo. You got a hey boo. Hey boo. You got (laughs) it. Oh no. Worse. Oh God. So the ladies, my, my one nail lady, but her part, her and her partner were at a larger nail salon. Okay. That nail salon closed. And so they branched off on their own and, and they rented a suite within like a, I think it's like an electrolysis, waxing, all kinds of something yeah. kind of salon, right? That's in a building, right? Okay. So that particular salon had two floors within this five floor building. Okay. And they rented a small suite. The business owner of that salon and the landlord of the building had a discrepancy. And so my lady and her partner obviously rent this suite from this lady and have didn't since gotten locked out of their suite. Oh, no. Because of the discrepancy between that business owner that they rent from and the landlord. So they've since been able to obtain their materials but they're trying to scramble to look for another location because they can no longer do nails out of that location. Oh, no. And so they were like, we regret to inform you that we have to cancel your appointment until we've secured another Jeez. location. And I about melted like Alex Mack. I'm sure. Into a puddle on the floor. Oh, gosh. And I'm still rocking these motherfucking nails. They're about the gel's about to be halfway through my fucking nail. Can she like? I would be like, you can come to my house. Like, what's happening? I'm low key about to be like Masaki. <laughs> I'll pay your fucking travel fee for you to come do my nails. Like, just like, come, bring your uh, materials, and come here. So, yeah, I'm actually. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I'm going to hit her and say, but Antoinette gave me her place as a backup. You know, they do the hard gel. You know, her nails always look good. And, you know, I might just, if your barber, you know, goes into the hospital because he broke his leg, you got to go to some, you can't just be out here woofing it. Right. You know what I'm saying? If he's going to be, if he's going to be tied down for a while. So I might just have to eat it and like, just go try somewhere until she comes back. When, when my nails- oh no! At this point, yeah, no, fully. This is for me now. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've maintained my loyalty. I do not question myself at all in that realm. I just think in this economy, uh, 
self-included. We just have to have a backup person. Yeah. yeah. You got to have somebody on standby, someone who you can reach out to in the event that your main is unavailable oh. for any reason. And I know it pains me to say that because, you know, I keep a team. I know. I know. And I'm very serious about my team. You know what Same. I'm saying? The girls keep me together. So when one of them is not able to, uh, you know, it's it hurts. It's hard. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I even thought about taking the gel off, mm-hmm. like drilling it off and trying to paint them but i was like i don't want them breaking i don't want to i don't i don't want to do the no. thing no i don't want to do that no angela bassett did the thing <laughs> jay didn't <laughs> what's your petty peeve this week <laughs> angela bassett did the thing jay angela did bassett remix did the- <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, what you got? speaking of nails, I went to get my toes done today. Ooh. This is not really a petty peeve. It's really like this is something that brought me joy, but it's something that, uh, I don't know. It's just something I want to share in this moment. Okay. Uh, and it's not petty at all, but it was just like there was a, a black couple, um, and, the, and the woman was there first. She was getting her toes done. It seemed like the husband was coming to meet her. To okay. get his toes done. And you know how black men, you know, of our dads and uncle generation, you know how those kind of black men enter a space. Yes. Yes. So very he's uncle-y. coming in. How y'all doing? All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right now. Okay. <laughs> we getting our toes done. All right. All <laughs> right. So... Ooh, so, ugly. <laughs> so you know and he just got to walk around he's not just he's speaking waving walking up to people he's <laughs> never met and he comes up to me and this is, this happens especially when i have short hair i don't know what black men make a very big deal about it yeah and i'm saying it's not it's not it can be. It, it's, it was not in this case because this was just a jolly uncle that I was like, okay. But they tend to make it a big deal. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting. Mm-hmm. I have my pedicure chair all the way in the back corner. I have my book. I have my ear pods. <laughs> and here come Uncle Ralph. <laughs> Let me go over here and speak to my sister. My sister, you are wearing that cut. Do y'all see her? <laughs> y'all, come and look at, I mean, calling people to look at me <laughs> like I am an animal in the zoo. Oh, no. Listen, let Uncles me call don't my have wife. No boundaries. That's let, the problem. Listen, let me call my wife. Regina, <laughs> do you see this young lady? Look at this young lady. I love that. <laughs> I'm just over Now, here. you know what's so fascinating about that? I feel like black women been cutting their hair at a certain literally age, like for a long time. So why is it the blonde? Like I what don't is know it? Is it the natural? It is, is it the combo it of like, all of it? It makes it like an attraction at 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 the mall. 
But hmm. it's like, oh, it is very nice. You know, and I'm just like, y'all, I'm sitting here just, I'm just trying to get my cuticles cut. If you'll excuse me, if you'll excuse me. It's very nice to see you all. Thank you so much. <laughs> but I mean, I really felt bad for Regina. Regina, do you see this? I mean, from across. Regina, it's like, I'm trying to get my toes Regina done. is also, like, girl, leave that young lady alone. <laughs> She do you she, see her? She got her ear pods in. She made her <laughs> eye. She made eye contact with me and was like, "I'm so sorry." I'm well, so she so, apologized. I'm sorry, eyes. I already know. She apologized profusely with her eyes, like, "Girl, I." <sighs> and you know why it's so amusing to me? Because <laughs> my father is one of those black men. Yo. <laughs> and mine is too <laughs> if my father would, like I know my father would see your head and be like oh I like that you got the head for that I like that that's a good that's a good cut on you so look at you with that blonde hair girl that looks it. good on you girl that's my, that's my father and he don't even like you know he don't call me but I've, I feel like family members share my Facebook with him or something so he'll mm. just be like, oh, I understand that you have blonde hair. He'll be like, I, oh. what? Okay. <laughs> I have a question. Yes. This is so inappropriate. Okay. So I just, I'm, I'm forewarning you right now. All right. Embracing. Oh, here they come. They're like, <laughs> no, Jade. They're like, don't ask. <laughs> but I'm going to. <laughs> I've been getting phone calls from a certain family member as of recently. Okay. I mean, calling my phone down. Oh, no. You know, that has had some issues. Okay. Issues. Issues. Do you find when you have certain conversations, like the cadence and the tone? Yes. What is it like when you... <laughs> what is it? <laughs> what is your experience? Similar to yours, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like... Hmm. Remember how he was telling, I, I, I struggle, I struggle with these conversations <laughs> when they come, right? Yeah. it's like, yeah. and you see the number on your phone, you have to have this oh. inner dialogue with yourself, like, okay, mm. here we are. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> do I have the capacity for this right now? You're literally assessing. And then and when I try will to I have the capacity for this? I try because to answer, the, answer on the first call because they always call again. Exactly. And I try to answer the phone and not sound as drained as I am. <laughs> so then I have to turn my corporate voice on. I'm like, hello. <laughs> yes, hello. It's like okay. do you do you just let them know that you know who, who who's there? Yeah, yeah. I because I, I answer the phone. I'd be like, "Hi, such and such. What's going on?" Yeah, like get yeah, to yeah. the point. <laughs> what do you need? That's what I go straight. What do you need? Is there something that That's you my need? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. What do you need? <laughs> All right. But yeah, shout out to black men. And you know, man. this is why I said I'm not complaining because I know this is these are the black men of my life. So these I was are the black not, men who have been affected by Ronald Reagan. You know, I was and mm -hmm. I was not um so I I'm not I was not did not feel fearful. I wasn't upset. It was just like this continues to happen. I'm in the <laughs> Wegmans 
And I mean, somebody's father, <laughs> young lady, <laughs> like, please, <laughs> please. <laughs> Ooh. I told you when Why I was. Why they gotta be so loud, though? And then Why I can't you- they walk up to you? And you know, the thing is that here around this area, a lot of times it'd be like guys, older guys that were in the military. And you know, I'm always walking around in my gym clothes when people see me and they assume that, you know, I'm fit. And so they want to come to me and ask me questions. Your boy was in Wegmans like, oh yes, are you just coming from the gym? Okay, I understand. I understand. I see. He's like, I'm not trying to be inappropriate. You know, I I fully respect you. I'm not trying to be in, indecent, but I just know. I just know you you are moving those weights, aren't you? I can tell. <laughs> I can tell by looking at you that you're in there doing good work. <laughs> and I just want to encourage you. And I'm like, thank, thank you, you, stranger. Thank you, Mr. Phillips. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm just over here to get a loaf of bread. If you don't mind. If you don't mind. I was just reaching over here to get a head of cabbage, if that's all right with you. You're standing in front of the Ezekiel bread that I'm reaching for right now. (laughs) And I just love it. I wouldn't want to be any other thing but black. No. These are the men of our lives, and we love it for us. For real. These are the men of our lives. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it was just like man Mr. Rodney I enjoy Mr. Rodney enjoyed me getting my toes done today and wanted to wanted to tell the entire nail salon about it and I guarantee you he talked Regina's ear off for 12 minutes afterwards about your haircut you know how old are you, you look like you're about my daughter's age <laughs> I'm like you know well how old is your daughter that's why I said <laughs> that's why I said I don't know <laughs> but you know this is who we are and i'm just i just love us i love us for real i love us for real yes and indeed. that is another episode of getting grown mm-hmm. Woo, that was a long one <laughs> a good another one a long one a little two-parter but okay. a good one thank you to felicia absolutely dr commodore for coming in and getting transparent and vulnerable with us at the kitchen table sharing your experience. We're very grateful for your perspective. And I know there will be so many others who will be as well. And uh, thank you all for tuning in every single week. Make sure you check out the Getting Grown Patreon, which is linked in the bio. We got bonus um, pre-shows every week. And let me tell you something. We be having good conversation down at those pre-shows. The pre-show for this week literally could have been an episode it's another episode. It's an hour. Literally. So it's a bonus episode for you all Period. over on the Patreon with Felicia. Um, and then as you know, Kia and I are ramping back up and, and trying to bring you all additional content. So we've been real good about, you know, trying to be diligent with that. And we got more coming your way. And uh, so if you want to get down with the get down and really be with the exclusives, then come on over to the Patreon because we have a good time over there. And with that being said, sister, take us out. Make sure that you are doing your very best to moisturize your mind by attending to the business that is yours and yours alone. You always and also uh, should want to moisturize your insides by drinking just as much water as your body can sustain. And finally, you want to moisturize your skin because your black will crack if it's dry.
Bye. <laughs> A tutaloo. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available.